This is What's In with Olaplex. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. Together, we break down all things beauty, health, and wellness and discuss not just what's out, but also what's in. Today's guest is the world-renowned celebrity eyebrow specialist, Joey Healy. I'm so excited to talk with him. We're gonna dish out what's in and what's out with eyebrows. Joey has been doing eyebrows for over 10 years and has seen the rise and fall of many eyebrow trends. He is the owner of Joey Healy Eyebrow Studio in New York City, and he also has his own signature product line, the Joey Healy Eyebrow Collection. He is truly a visionary when it comes to eyebrow trends and has been featured in Elle, Vogue, People Magazine, Allure, and so much more. And if you want to stay on trend, follow us at What's In Podcasts on social media and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Joey, I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I have to ask, so when did you first get into doing eyebrows professionally? Well, I've had my business now for 13 years, and it's been about that long. Yeah, I moved to the city in 2007 and started working as a makeup artist. I was working largely in print photography. I worked in some department stores. And then I eventually made my way to the New York City Ballet, where I was a makeup artist there. Such a cool job. And around 2009, 2010, I really started to focus my specialty on eyebrows. I had gone to aesthetic school, the Aveda Institute, in 2009 to become an esthetician. And then that piqued my interest in marrying together my business background with my love of makeup and beauty and my aesthetics licensure. I um, started with my eyebrow business in 2010. Can I just say I love that you said the city because that it like speaks to my Long Island uh heart. That's how we always referred New York City. The city. The city. Because <laughs> it's the only city, New York City. Yeah. No further explanation needed. So I know you're a pro and you've been doing other people's eyebrows forever. So I love to know, though, how you do your eyebrows. Like, what is your personal routine with everything? That's a good question. Um, It's a pretty light routine, which I think is surprising to people. But I do believe in being sort of hands off and kind of leaning into the organic nature of your brows. And it's how I've been able to keep my brows full. But the routine is pretty straightforward. Once a month, I tint my own eyebrows. I use a vegetable-based dye. They tend to be a little blonder, a little topier, and I like them to be kind of a strong, smoky brunette. So tinting them really helps me discover the very ends of them and certainly the very fronts, those little sprouts. It makes a very big difference for me. It almost doubles them in size, which I love. And then I just take some light strays um, to make sure that they're equidistant, to make sure that they're level. Um, On the regular, every day, a little bit of clear brow gel. And I use a brow serum every single night full of peptides, and that helps keep them nice and full and healthy. And then a little bit of Botox here and there, which really does impact the brow level. So every four to five months, a little tune-up to make sure they're where I left them. Ooh, I never thought about saying Botox for a brow routine. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense, though. 
It does. It really can have a very positive impact on your brows. Um, also, sometimes it's responsible for some imbalances when it's not done in a way that provides equilibrium to the face. But I always notice my brows have a marked improvement, kind of a little bit more lift with, with that. So I try to stay pretty light in terms of hair removal and doing everything I can to make them robust and symmetrical. I have to admit, like, I've always had very thin brows. With the tail end, I tend to have to like increase. I have to like add some. I've been using a lot of brow gels that are tinted in order to like it's just easier. But also I find that it kind of thickens the hair that I'm working with. Like I don't just like go, let me just brush it in a direction. Like I brush down and brush up so I can thicken up my brows a little bit. A great formula, a great formula, because it'll add a little bit of texture to the brow too, versus sometimes powders or pencils are so wonderful, but they'll just put a little bit of color behind the brow. A good tinted gel that has a nice formula will, like mascara, encase each individual hair, make them a little thicker, a little bit fuller, give you a little bulk. They're definitely multitaskers tinted gel. So that's a good routine. So I feel as though I got some years on you, but like in the years that you've been doing this and before, are there any eyebrow trends that like really stand out to you? Oh my God. Well, there's been plenty of trends. I really came into eyebrows coming from a world where I felt like they were overworked and thin. (laughs) Gee, I wonder what decade that was. It's been a resounding, you know, it was the 70s, then the then 80s was thick, 90s was thin, then the early aughts, you know, kind of thick, and then thin again, and now thick, and now thin. It seems like the pendulum keeps swinging, but I was, you know, seeing my first brows in 2007 to 2010, and really thinking that they weren't as flattering as they could be for people. And it was an underserved feature. I mean, I would work at Bergdorf Goodman and selling all of this beautiful skincare and makeup. And these same women who would be spending quite a bit on their routine and certainly spending a bit on their ready-to-wear in the floors above us were just going to get their brows waxed for $10 at a nail salon as an add-on service. And I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. So entering in that industry and starting my business in 2010 was a lot of brow rehab for people. And so I have seen a lot of trends over the years, but that was just the beginning where people were really looking for a thicker, fuller brow and needing products like serum to help get them up to speed. It's funny because I always think my first memories of brows, like even being conscious of my brows was probably in the 80s with Brooke Shields. But it is like fascinating how like she had this gorgeous, full, natural, thick brow, which is absolutely gorgeous. And then to see that transition, because I had never had those kind of brows. I have siblings that do, but I don't. But when it came to like the really micro thin that was going on that trend where everybody like people, my generation never grew their eyebrows back. It just did not come back from the torture that they put them through. I am so blessed that I was not really as cognizant of the yeah. trend. <laughs> That's a good thing. 
I I just kind of went with uh, I was so conscientious of the fact that the tail end was not as thick as the center that um, I just was always just trying to add as opposed to take away. Now I look at back at it and I'm going, oh, thank God. Oh, you are on the right side of brow history. That's for sure. Because it depends on where we are in our lives, how I think vulnerable we are to trends. Obviously, high school, that's a tough time. But to... I'm more vulnerable now <laughs> at now like 51. <laughs> but I think the difference is, is that I think as I've gone forward with a lot of things and watching the trends, what you really do start to understand, and especially as a hairstylist as well, you understand, say for a hairstyle, you understand that how it can balance out the face. Now with eyebrows, it's a frame. It is a frame for your face. And if you don't get that frame right, your picture's never going to look quite right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And I think that people have started to come around to that. And that was when I was starting my business. It wasn't just that brows were thin and overworked. They were bad individual shapes. They were asymmetrical. They were little commas, little rainbows. They weren't equidistant. They weren't the same level. It was a lack of care for symmetry and general shape at all. They were very much an afterthought. So I think that people recognizing that brows are important, that's been a thing for the past 10 years or so. It's funny that you mentioned Brooke Shields because I feel like Cara Delevingne, the model, really kind of coming up in like 2011, 2012, she was Brooke Shields for this, you know, generation and that kind of inspiration. If you took her eyebrows and put them on a regular person, they would look crazy. I mean, she's an exquisite looking woman with kind of fair sandy blonde hair and very thick, very dark eyebrows. But they gave people that appetite for a full brow that made them curious into what their brow potential could be. Absolutely. And I love that similarity right there. I love that you were able to grab that. But you know what? I want to talk about what's out with eyebrow trends. I love it. (laughs) You tell me right off the bat, off the top of your head, what is a trend right now that you think is completely out? I think microblading is heavily on its way out. And so that's interesting because a lot of trends will kind of come and go and they have a very short trend cycle. Microblading is hard to even really call a trend because it had a very long lifespan. Yes. But really because it takes four or five years sometimes to see the fallout from what that can look like, which is a pigmentation that's on the skin that fades, but doesn't fade completely. The undertone of the color can sometimes be pink or orange. I've seen blue and lavender. I've seen every color of the rainbow, but you know, hair tones. And that can be living underneath that pigment. And so then there's the temptation to do touch-ups. But then you're kind of getting yourself in this endless cycle. And what once became these little hair-like strokes becomes one big, muddy prisma of color, (laughs) which no one really is after. So I feel like these days I'm seeing that people are really kind of stepping away from that, but it took them a long time to realize that it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. I also think that one of the hazards and one of the reasons I didn't get into it, because trust me, I was tempted. Of course. But the reason I wasn't is because I kept thinking, oh, well, wait a second. Every It's always about a trend. It's always about what is the trending shape or whatever. And in the long run, those trends change. That's like saying, 
I mean, I don't want to sound like the mom that sits there and says, don't get a tattoo, you know, where someone's going to see it. But I mean, in essence, microbleeding is a tattoo. And you're right, Danielle. Once it's there, it's there. That's right. And the trends do change. And we've seen them change since microblading even became popular, but it limits what you can do. Even say the trend doesn't change. Your brows are going to change on their own. And so as we age, of course, the skin slackens and it goes in one direction and that's down. And sometimes with my clients of a certain age, I like to give a little additional lift under the brow, lift an extra row so we can get the brow to feel higher and more lifted and back on that brow bone. But as we sort of age and the muscle slackens, that pigmentation is going down with the rest of the ship. (laughs) I love that you mentioned that because I'll admit now when I do my brows, particularly on the end, um, I'm more focused on the top side and I might be taking off a little bit on the bottom side more than I did then when I was in my 30s or heck, even 40s. It changes. You've got to balance it all out. So I'm putting more focus a little higher. That's a great observation, of course. To create an illusion. You got it. And you're able to do that because you're not married to some pigment underneath. So that's a really great point is you really, you find yourself wanting to lift and wanting to focus on the top very, very much so growing more hair on the top and taking a little bit more from the arch, a little bit more from underneath the inner corner to get it away from the bridge of the nose. And with pigmentation, you don't have that option. The promise of microblading is that you wake up with perfect eyebrows. You never have to fill in your brows again. What a great promise that is. And like most things in life, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. I wish it was true. Me too. (laughs) But not really, because then I wouldn't have a job. I I know, right? Well, no, you know what? No matter what, hair grows. That's right. Hair still grows. So you still, even with the promise of having that hair looking as though it's there, no matter what, you're still going to have to you know, get it waxed or trimmed or tweezed or whatever for anything that's growing outside of those parameters. And we have plenty of clients who come in with microblading and they really do benefit from our services, specifically tinting the brow hair, which I mentioned before. It does help to sort of marry together the layer of pigment on the skin and then the hair above. It sort of helps to blend it together. Every little baby hair can be tinted and made more of a part of the story. With that said, we are sort of obeying the line of the microcurrent because it would look a little out of place to leave a patch of hair where it really doesn't belong. So While trying not to exacerbate the problem, it does create certain parameters that are limiting for a brow artist to work on when they're kind of tuning up your brows. So if anything, it creates shackles rather than the liberation it promises. The liberation. I love that. So I personally think in the trends that I have been watching and slowly declining, though I have to say the microblading is definitely what I would say is one of the big ones that should be slowly disappearing. I also feel, and this is just me, the over-defined eyebrows that are almost like it is painted in, and it's not microblading. They're literally like painting it on. And because whenever I'm doing my brows, I'm very conscientious of it. I don't want to look like I've made this absolute perfection. Um, I think the beauty and imperfection is so huge. And when it's almost too perfect, it just doesn't seem, well, I guess natural, but I mean, I, I don't know exactly what it is about it that is turning me off more and more. At first, it was fascinating and and intriguing. Now, to me, it just seems very 
contrived. And put on. That's right. It's not organic at all. That's a really great observation. I've noticed that for years as well. Something that people will kind of coin the Instagram brow or the 2015 kind of brow that was really pomade focused as a product. The thing that I think is kind of off-putting that we feel in our gut when we see a brow like that is it doesn't resemble hair. Your brows are made up of all these tiny little hairs. We want to see texture. We want to see, you know, a clean perimeter, but we don't want to see something delineated beyond recognition. And that's what I find happens with that overfilled-in brow. As that pendulum swings, as we've said before, from thick brows to thin brows, decade to decade, I find that so do trends in cosmetics. But as we've gotten more people on board to filling in their brows in a soft, natural way in the early 2010s, of course, the pendulum swung in the other direction where people decided that they liked to fill in their brows and they liked it a whole lot. And more is more. And that's not necessarily more true. More is always more. <laughs> right? Well, people will, I see brow routines with people that have like six or seven products. And that to me seems really like difficult to maintain and on the daily. I mean, I probably have three or four. Okay, you're at your limit, but I'll I'll accept three or four. It's, it takes a lot to build it up. It can. A lot of layers, a lot of textures. You know, that's the thing is if you have the right products and you can kind of have a brow wardrobe, you can dip in and out. But the enthusiasm for brow product has gotten so large that sometimes the end result looks really overworked. And so I think what it is, is having these great products in your arsenal, a pencil, a powder, a tinted gel, a highlighter, a clear gel, and then kind of sensing out day by day is today just a clear brow gel day, stay a little bit of a powder, and kind of turning up and down the volume on your brows, always making sure, one, it's all well blended, and two, it looks good in real life and not just in a photo or on social media. I got to ask, because now this is personal curiosity, the powder. What the heck is the benefit of the powder? Because to me, it just seems like it is. it does become almost like a painted brow after that. Like you do everything else to make it look like it's natural hair. And then you put the powder on and then you got like the strip. Unless I'm doing it wrong. That's a great question. And it might be a little bit of the latter, but I think that what that can <laughs> what, that, what that can be is also the way that we kind of think of brow product. So sometimes with a pomade or a pencil, it's kind of either on or it's off. It's we're making a line, we're making a mark, and we're sort of placing it. With a powder, if you're able to lighten up your application, I always like to take an angled brush, kind of lightly dip into the powder, give it a good tap so there's no fallout. And then I don't apply the powder evenly. I usually start more toward the arch and then work it through the tail, whatever's left on the brush going in the front. And the way I sort of think of powder is it can be like a watercolor where a pencil can be more like an oil paint. With a powder, you can get different levels of opacity. And so it can be a very, very soft whisper of color that just lightly supports the brow. It's background music for the brow. It's kind of slowly buffing out those little gaps in the brow by creating a veil of color. Okay. Because I, I always felt like they usually come with some kind of brush and it's not usually an angled brush like you're saying. So when you're utilizing it, it tends to like the thing that I can't stand, the thing that I feel as though is so on its way out is that thing that really makes it look like it's so painted on. So I like that idea that makes more sense. Look, I learned something new. Am I going See, to have another product also, in my arsenal? I think you might be a powder girl I don't after know. this. I'll have to try. I'll have to try. 
It also blends out beautifully too. Um, if you're using something like a brow marker or a brow pen for those little flicks of hair, if you make an error, you're kind of stuck with it. Where a powder, you can use a spoolie on the other side of a brush or the other side of your pencil. And if you work it through a few times, it just kind of softens and blends. So that's another benefit of powder is you're able to kind of build it up or blend it down. So Joey, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that a lot of times when it comes to brow care and, and the shapes and all the trends that go on, we're normally talking about women. That's what we're seeing on social media. That's what we're seeing around the world. What about men? Because I know my sons definitely are very particular about their brows. Absolutely. That's a great question. And that is something that we see often is that these are services that are for women, which is absolutely not true. As a male business owner myself, looking after my own brows, I, of course, have a little extra special attention paid to that whole entire concept. When I started the brand, it was really important to me to make a gender neutral brand and to welcome everybody in. And I will say that we have about 20% male clientele, which is surprising for people because that is quite a number of men who are looking after their brows. And this isn't just models and actors. This is, you know, men in finance, you know, your regular dad down the street, people who are looking toward grooming, toward making themselves look better. And with men, they don't have as many avenues in terms of the sorcery of beauty. It's, you know, a good haircut, good skin, good Oh my beard. gosh, Joey, I have a great story for this one. Tell me. Okay, so I do feel like men might feel a little intimidated about having their brows done or taking care of that and grooming that in the best way possible. Um, I used to cut my dad's hair. When I tell you my dad had the most wiry eyebrows and they were <laughs> long like you could yeah. not believe. And so when I would cut his hair, I'd be like, dad, let me just take care of your eyebrows because they were just so long. And he would say, no, Daniela, look weird in his <laughs> New York accent. But I would like ninja attack him and I would trim his brows and he'd be like, oh, I could see again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dad. Seriously. And he always looked great. You know, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything out of this world. But just that small little shape. Um, it was just he looks more polished, more groomed without looking overdone. And I think that men need to realize that sometimes you need a little help with that. And that's OK. That is more than okay. And that's right. It can take a little bit of extra persuasion, but maybe there is an investment banker who's in the boardroom and he has a beautiful Armani suit and a Rolex and Ferragamo shoes and then a big unibrow. Well, that might not be as consistent with that polished image. So offering people a service uh, to tidy up their brows can make them feel more pulled together and more attention focused on the big things that really matter. A lot of men will protest that they don't want their brows shaped because maybe they went to a threading kiosk in the mall in 2008, or maybe a girlfriend dragged them to get their brows waxed in 2013, and they will think, I don't like when I have my brows done. But that's just because the modality wasn't right for them. Maybe they weren't heard. Maybe there wasn't enough consultation. So for us working with men, it's a lot of hand-holding. And it's understandable because there's less of an instinct toward these things. But often with brow shaping, it's about the art of restraint. Yes. And I find that with male clientele, it really is about exercising that restraint to find something that looks balanced, but not like they just left a brow appointment. 
Okay, so now I have to ask about that trend where you see, and especially right now on Ted Lasso, one of the characters has that like two lines that, I mean, obviously is put in there. Yes, ma'am. Vanilla ice. So I know like (laughs) I've seen this popping up lately with men where they have this. It's almost like tattooing, but not tattooing, but they got to be careful. Never grow back after a while. Oh, it hurts my heart to see it, but I do understand the but fun. But it's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. It's fun. It's the exploration of brow. I mean, they're so impactful in how we kind of view our faces in terms of our bone structure. But it's also an opportunity to have a little fun. And we certainly see that on TikTok, for example, with the disco brow with glitter in the brows or with people filling in their brows with eyeshadows that are different extreme colors. Let's let the guys have a little fun, too. A couple of stripes in the brow can look nice. I like the fact that it's not removing the hair from the follicle. It's just a really low trim. It's a little hard to grow out because it can look a little funny, but it's definitely a throwback look. It's, to me, very Vanilla Ice, very 90s. And there's something that like tickles me about that. I can't lie. I want to hate it, but I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it. And and uh, well, which is surprising to me because, like I say, I always like that natural look. But I don't know. Maybe it reminds me of like a scar or something. I don't know. You know, I think that you just nailed it. I think it's like giving sexy scar vibes. Right? Like this is a man who's like lived through something where really it was just bzz, bzz. really they just like, you know, <laughs> were playing around with their eyebrows. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not like they uh, you know, fought for your honor in a in a in a bar fight. It's just someone with a we can little have razor. that imagination there, Joey. We can pretend. We can pretend <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we we've handled what's out. But I want to really talk about what's in because right now there are so many trends out there. So what are you seeing that everybody's talking about? Well, it's interesting. A lot of what's in, it's not that it's necessarily my personal preference, but I see that that's kind of what's trending and what people are looking for. One of those things very specifically being brow lamination, which you may or may not be familiar with. I'm not going to lie. There's a certain person that like did that. TikTok video mm-hmm. that everybody's talking about it ever mm-hmm. since. We all know. And that was the first time I ever heard about lamination. Oh, that's funny. Well, that really took it into the broader stratosphere. Brow lamination, it's a chemical process of straightening the hair. Same solution that they would use for lash perms, but instead it's kind of pulled through the brow. The brows are pushed up vertically. There's a light piece of saran wrap essentially put on the brow. It's set and then a neutralizing solution is applied. And then the brow remains flat, kind of shiny, very long, the hairs, and they're kind of smushed a little bit. Um, It's a very specific look. And what I'm liking about that look is kind of a vertically swept eyebrow. What I'm liking about that look is that it does provide some openness to the the brow. What I don't love is using chemicals on your brows. The hairs really don't like that. And you know, in the world of hair, the less we can process, the better for the hair. And so certainly with eyebrows, which can be a little finicky, it's not my favorite. Also, I find that it gets a little shiny. The finish is kind of laminated. It's actually a perfect word for what the end result. Kind of reminds me of a keratin, except without the heat. (laughs) It's very much like a keratin. That's exactly right. It's very, very much like that result. And it also kind of loosens up over time. And then you're in this kind of weird in-between space. 
There's also a question of tolerance of how much you can really do it. Depending on the thickness of your individual brows, you may not want to consistently do it because you can find that the hair can break or get damaged. I love using a clear brow gel or even a glycerin soap. I mean, the idea of soap brows has been in for some time. Um, I like things that are not chemical driven that you can just do for the day for a certain styling of your eyebrows and then you can take it off at night. But a lamination, I would assume that is for someone that might have a lot thicker brow that might be a little bit more, um, let's say bushy. Let's yeah. just say bushy. We'll go for it. We'll say someone that has a really bushy eyelet brow that really struggles to create that sleekness that, you know, someone that doesn't have as much density. Correct. That's absolutely right. And so there's candidates who are better for lamination than others. I, when they can be a little wiry, a little unruly, a little coarse, a little curly, that can be difficult, especially because it's scary to trim your brows. If you over trim them, you can get little gaps and holes. If you over trim them, they could be so short that they stick out even more instead of lying down. So lamination is a nice solution for people who are the proper candidates who really want to kind of loosen up that sort of thick texture. The problem is that everyone's going after lamination and it's not perfect for everyone. Even certain things, the end of the brow, that tail you were discussing before, kind of the awareness of keeping the tail in proportion to the main brow. By pinching together some of those tail hairs, you're able to encourage them to blanket one another and overlap. When they're laminated and they're going vertically, you see hair, skin, hair, skin, hair, skin. And for a lot of people, the tail kind of disappears because you're not benefiting from that dense overlap. And I would imagine if you have like say finer hair, but you like the look of lamination. It's like you said, you can use any kind of gloss or gloss. That's probably the wrong word, but the soaps are definitely like that. I even find a lot of the wands, they have clear ones that can really, um, basically create a very curated place of where you're placing the hair. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. When you look at somebody and their brows are freshly laminated, a brow would never naturally do that. So it kind of calls attention to itself. A lot of our clients, their significant others, maybe their husbands, their boyfriends who wouldn't notice anything, say, what's wrong with your eyebrows? <laughs> because it has that little centipede look to it sometimes. Yeah. It's a nice option for certain people. And I think that there's hacks to kind of get the look without committing to the process. Clear gels, glycerin soaps, even in a pinch, you could use a chapstick. I know people who've done that to get the brow to feel like a little bit more controlled. Ooh, I like that. It's funny because I do actually think it's really cool when you have someone that obviously has trimmed the eyebrows where it's not like too spiky and you can kind of like it just looks like it's naturally flaring and it's not um something that is too contrived that's right and another point building on that is sometimes people will say i like the look of lamination because i like fluffy eyebrows and then it makes me think well we have different definitions of fluffy because to me fluffy is kind of textural you feel like you could run a comb through them and for some of these it's kind of like brow roadkill it's like a little smushed and it looks like it's just flat to the face i understand the idea of the fluffy because if you were not doing the chemical service which personally like i know i just I anything near my eyes, I get a little bit freaked out with that kind of stuff. But most of the people I know, they're using some kind of brow gel. And like you said, you know, being able to comb it down and comb it up, have it really coat every single hair. There is a certain fluffiness that goes along with it. So I guess technically 
One could say I am laminating my brows. <laughs> one could say, one could say. And I think cosmetic companies have really caught on to that. And so the microbladed little flicks, you'll see products out there that are really smart. They're like these felt tip pens that have three prongs. They almost look like a fork. And you can make a stroke and get a few little light hair-like strokes on the skin. Similarly, I'm seeing products that are using the word lamination, um, like a brow laminating gel. And it's not that chemical process that we're familiar with. They're just gels that kind of support this a similar look. And again, if you're not sure about a process, it's nice to experiment with product first. I like the flexibility of being able to try different things, but without doing any um, damage to the brow and without taking any risks, because to your point, they are real chemicals and it is really close to the eye and you really have to be mindful. One of the trends I've been seeing a lot and I've been really enjoying is the exploration of that balanced look. And of course, if you look at a lot of the TikTok trends that are out there, they have those filters that kind of show exactly where it should be in proportion to your face. But I wonder what your perspective on that is, because I, <laughs> how accurate is that? Because some of them, when they're done, oh my goodness. I don't know if they're too close to the camera or too far. And it's just like, I somehow that did not work. That did not translate. I think it's a very good, but very half-baked idea, those kinds of mapping of the brows. People have called this different things throughout time, like brow mapping. Um, for us at Joey Healy Eyebrow Studio, it's a customized approach, but we really do rely on your bone structure. So certain things there could be a hard and fast rule that I find works. Like the brow should begin at the bridge of the nose, that vertical bone, not the nostril edge, not the cartilage edge of the nose, but really that nose bone, that tends to work for most people. And that can ensure that they're equidistant. In terms of where they end, where they arch, I find that that's a little generalized on those mapping out things, those little mapping out filters. For example, a great place for them to end is corner of nose to corner of eye, if you make an imaginary line. But the further explanation of that, to me, is that that's the bare minimum they should reach. And then they can extend a little bit longer, as long as they don't go lower than the head underneath, or as long as they don't go so long that they're actually in the temple. That takes a little bit more than just a filter to show you, because it would be a shame to truncate nice long eyebrows. And I guess furthermore on that point, the brow tail is always on a downward angle. For some people, it's not that steep, and for some people, it's quite steep. And depending on that pitch is how long it should really go. So using a filter to just make a line from corner of nose to corner of eye is halfway there, but not your optimal brow. But I do like that people are starting to look at it as kind of a frame or a framework and they're trying to learn like those angles. You know, we are, I always get around, whether it be hairdressing or anything that has to do with your face and you're doing makeup or whatever, a lot of it is mathematics and angles and, you know, all of those different pieces really do add up. You're 100% right. That is the perspective that people need to be thinking of more. So if it can push them in the right direction, then I'm all for it. I like those filters, maybe for filling in your brow and then understanding how it looks when it's more balanced through the use of some makeup. But I know people who will use filters like that or I see people on TikTok who use that filter and then they're removing the hair no. and they're shaping their hair with that filter. That that would go in the what's out. That's in the what's out. Yeah. <laughs> That's in the WTF. No, don't do it. It's a whole different Like I, again, I'm getting flashbacks from the 90s and our micro micro tidy 
eyebrows, <sighs> please don't do it. That sinking feeling in your stomach when you know that you've overworked your brows. It's worse than when someone else does it, knowing that your own hand has done that. <laughs> I have problem. to say one of my uh, biggest fears is that I put too much on the inside corner of my eyebrows uh, because I'm always afraid I'm going to have angry eyes. Angry yeah. eyes is a scary thing for me because I'm not angry. So <laughs> I know you're certainly not. We don't want your brows no. to reflect that. <laughs> I guess really finding that natural balance. One of the trends that I've been seeing a lot and I'm really enjoying is the people that are looking at almost like an ombre thing where there's granted, I like it natural. But I love that ombre where they really make it feel as though it just makes more sense. Tell me why it makes more sense, please, Joey, because I don't know why. Yes, <laughs> you are right. That In that right direction with a more ombre look, that is more natural. What it is, is naturally with a brow in the very front, I call them lovingly the sprouts or these short kind of stacks of hair. They're kind of like little fireworks. I tend to ignore them. <laughs> Yes, we we want them, but we don't want them so bad that we put them in a box. Right. And that's sometimes what people will do. So powder, another benefit is that it can be easier to use in the fronts because you can just put a little bit of that whisper of color in the front, whereas sometimes with a pencil, it's more intuitive or tempting to actually block them in. You don't want them to have a very harsh start. Where I don't love ombre brows is when they kind of feel almost like they were like airbrushed on, where it's like fading to nothing in the front and then kind of really intensifies. It's probably just too dramatic of a gradation where people are making them almost seem like they're faded out to nothing. You just want to kind of take it a few steps back in the front and blend it out the way that somebody's natural brow would look. Mm -hmm. So I know that we were talking a little bit about like obviously the laminating and how it kind of became a big trend that I still think it's all about, you know, that one TikTok. I may have over laminated my my TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. What do you see coming up, though? Like, are you seeing certain things coming up that you're going, oh, that's going to be big? I am. And it's been a lot of 2023 is just seeing more lift in the brow. And that really is kind of the optimal word is lift. That can get mistranslated into thin, which is a, it's a naughty four letter word that we don't use, um, the T word. But I do like a brow that's a little bit fuller, but it does have a defined arch. I like a brow that has nice fluffy sprouts, but it does have a crisp tapered tail. This is a brow that's a little bit more flattering. What we're hearing about sometimes is the return of a more skinny brow. And I think that that's culturally the result of this Y2K aesthetic coming back. Uh, it was a fun time in fashion and makeup. And, you know, this is one of the trends that I lived through being in high school from 2000 to 2004. I'm like, hmm, this seems familiar. I remember this. Fun in fashion, fun in makeup, not so fun when it comes to hair removal that we know has consequences um, in the future. So, a brow that's a little bit more reduced, I can understand and get behind. A brow that's a little bit more structured, that boy brow look really isn't the look anymore where every little stray hair was underneath. That was a very Cara Delevingne error. People. Okay. I was like, boy brow. Yeah. The I boy miss? brow. Yep. The now boy I brow. I get it. That was, yeah, of the Cara Delevingne era quite a bit. But now people are looking for a little bit more of that structure. And I also kind of think it has a bit to do with 
COVID and lockdown and quarantine, so many people could not get professional services. So many people were forced to sit on their hands and grow out their brows and, of course, grow out their color and their, you know, have roots and nails that weren't taken as best of care of as they could have. Right after our studio reopened after being locked down, people really wanted a clean brow. And that meant a really tight perimeter that met a nice lifted arch. I think that trends are responsive to what's going on in culture and society, and that can include celebrity, but it also includes a broader picture. And really great grooming and attention to self-care is something that not only people desire, but they feel that they now deserve. There's kind of a movement right now that is more about self-care and it's not about anybody else. It's not about any kind of trends. I think it's a lot more about just taking pride and taking that moment of Zen of just doing those little details like trimming your brows, your skincare, your hair care. That is so meaningful. And I do feel like personally that we're going to see things a lot more manicured, but I do think a lot of it is just about us taking the time for ourselves. You know, it just seems like a lot of people are feeling like they need to go not just inwardly, but take care of things on the exterior, maintain that in order to feel comfortable in their own skin while everything else is going on in the world. That's right. That's right. They're rituals. And that is part of a beauty routine is the way in which we look after ourselves, the time that we dedicate to ourselves. Those beauty rituals make us feel more connected, I think, to ourselves and able to present to the outside world uh, exterior reflection of how we feel on the inside. A person who feels good and healthy and strong and ready to take on the world. It's nice to look in the mirror and see that person reflected back. Joey, you're my kind of man. Uh-uh. Because, like, <laughs> you get it. You get I sure it. do. I sure do. What we do to take care of ourselves on the outside does have an impact on what's going on on the inside. It boosts your confidence. It makes you feel better. And that's why as beauticians, we take such pride in our work because we're not just making people hotter, which is also fun. Which is always fun. It's always good. I like it. Hey, listen, I'm all for that too. But it's like making people feel better about themselves, giving them the gift of perfect eyebrows, perfect hair color. It just is so fulfilling and rewarding. I never look at working in the beauty space as being anything like tied into a superficial vanity. I look at it as a gift that I have that I can contribute to society to make people feel better about themselves. And really, it's about making people feel better. That makes me feel better and gives me such fulfillment in my work. Joey, you made me have an awesome day because not only did I learn some new things, But it was just so great talking to you. Thank you for coming on today. It was so much fun. We can go on for hours. I I mean, you're so easy to talk to and you have such great perspectives on beauty. Well, I can't wait to hear more about what's going on with you. And thank you. Thanks so much, Danielle. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. What's in with Olaplex is produced in partnership with Olaplex and Frequency Media. Lizzie Stewart is our producer. Emily Krumberger is our associate producer. Ina Garkusha is our supervising producer. And Michelle Quarry is our executive producer. These episodes are recorded by Dante Hodge and mixed by Matthew Ernest Filler and Claire Bidigari Curtis. 
Development and Strategy by Jessica Olivier, Sara Naz Jababayi, and Sarah Adams. 